from Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, and we're reading verses 6 to 10. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Okay, good morning. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for your warm welcome. At the beginning, we were saying about what kind of week you've had. Um, honestly, I've, I've had an exhausting week. On one hand, I've been doing lots of brilliant Christmas stuff with our church, getting ready. Um, I'm going to let you in on a top secret of what's going on at the mission. For our carol service, some of our young people had an idea of filming silhouettes acting out the nativity. So when we're having our readings on the carol service, there's going to be shadow of like Mary being pregnant and an angel coming and wise men. And it's going to look beautiful. And I was there on Wednesday night when we were filming it. The problem is, is when you're doing shadows, the footage looks really beautiful and classic. But what was really going on was we strung up a big white sheet in our hall and put some big lights behind it. And then a bunch of us got dressed in the children's nativity costumes of bright garish colours and were acting out with very exaggerated movements in front of the sheet um, to make a beautiful shadow. So it was ridiculous. And we were there till about 10 o'clock trying to do that. And midway through, so there's three of us dressed as wise men, most of them are girls, holding um, gifts. I was in a giant robe, being an angel with a child's halo on my head. Another guy was walking around with a crown, and another guy was filming. And in the midst of this chaos, about half eight, a guy walked into the church and went, parcel for Amanda, parcel for Amanda. It was a poor, like Amazon delivery guy. I'm like, hi. <laughs> we don't normally do this, but we were so shocked we weren't expecting anyone. We didn't even offer the poor guy an explanation. We just went, oh, thank you very much, took the parcel and Bye then. And he walked out thinking, man, that church is full of nutters. So I've been doing that. So that's, you know, good and tiring. But also at work, I work at a college, um, Accrington and Rosendale College. I'm in admin there. I've been there for 10 years. Um, ah, I've had a hard week. It's something about the end of term that I think sometimes makes students act up. So we've had a lot of disciplinary meetings and I've had three or four of our final stage disciplinary meetings where things get really, really bad. And they've been a bit heartbreaking because some of these lads that we've had in, like the 16, 17, often the ones who get to this final stage are ones who've already had a hard time at high school and maybe college was already their second chance and they're blowing it. And I, you know, I have to sit in the room and take notes and I can see like parents really Struggling, and the the parents obviously wanting to support the child, wanting to defend the child, but also clearly at a loss of what to do. And sometimes I'm just blown away of, you know, my life's quite cushioned. 
I've had real loving parents, stable upbringing, I've had the church, I've got my God on my side. And, and then I'm confronted with young people who only live 10 minutes down the road from me, who've not had those advantages, and are now at 16, 17, making really bad choices that are going to put them further back in life. And I was just really burdened by the trouble that young people can have at such a young age. It really, you just think, how, how are we going to help people get past this kind of stuff? I'm feeling kind of inadequate. And in these situations, my only interaction with, with these kids is really like sending them letters home and escorting them to the meeting and taking notes. And all I try and do is just be a bit kind to them. But it's such a small thing I play in that part. I'm not a teacher or a manager or anything like that. I'm just an admin. Um, but you know what? God has ways of encouraging us when we're feeling overwhelmed by what's out there. And I hope this morning this message does that. Um, and to start with, I want to tell you a story. So if we put on the next picture, it's a story about pots. There once was a ceramics class. And on the first day of the class, the teacher announced that he was going to divide his class into two groups. Those on his left-hand side would be graded solely on the quantity of the work, how much they produced. All those on the right would be judged solely on the quality, how good is the work that they produce. And his procedure was really simple. On the final day of class, he was going to bring in his bathroom weighing scales and weigh the work of the quantity group. Those who did 50 pounds of pots would get an A, those who did 40 would get a B, and so on. Those being graded on quality, however, only had to bring in one pot to get an A, although it had to be a perfect one. Well, the course goes on, and it finally comes to the grading time, and a curious fact emerged. The works of highest quality were all produced by the group being judged on quantity. It seems that whilst the quality group has spent a long time debating about what makes a perfect pot and planning it and thinking it and making up theories, the quantity group were busy churning out pot after pot after pot and learning from their mistakes and developing their skills and learning all the time. And slowly, over the months of the course, they developed their skills and were able to produce fantastic pieces of art. The lesson from that is one I think we know in our heads is that great things take time and are produced by lots of small little steps. Big changes take a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and a lot of time to accomplish. And I think that's not a radical thing to say. I think we know that in our heads. But it's so easy to forget when we're in the middle of actually trying to do great things that it's normal for it to take a long time and that it's normal for things to be seeming small and um, hard to move on with. So today this message is about those of us who sometimes feel, whilst we're doing something really important and special, that we're getting a bit stuck in the middle of it. You know, there's lots of things that we could be doing and working on that feel really big and important, but in the middle of it can feel like it's a bit of a drudge, a bit of a burden, a bit of something that isn't getting anywhere. What The first example I always think of is just the church. What the church is called to do is immense. 
You're meant to be like the source of hope for your surrounding area. You're meant to be sharing the gospel and seeing people come to salvation. You want to be discipling one another. You're meant to be serving one another in love. You're meant to be being this family where everybody is loved and accepted and encouraged and built up. And none of that is easy. Um, week in, week out, it can feel sometimes like you're not making progress. Or, you know, like you could be like me, maybe your work situation, actually your work could have a lot of big challenges and it can feel like you're not getting anywhere with it. Maybe your important thing is raising your family. Um, or maybe trying to support somebody who's going through a really big battle or a mental health issue. You know, if you're that first um, line of support for somebody who's falling apart, that is a huge task. And it's not easy, and it's not solved like that, and it's not just like one conversation that's going to fix it. It's week in, week out being there. Or maybe it's just the continual process of becoming more like Jesus. Sometimes you might feel like you're not getting anywhere in becoming more like Jesus. Sometimes you feel like you might be going in the other direction. Whatever big, important things we've got on, um, there's a good chance that at some point you're going to feel like you're stuck in the middle. And by stuck in the middle, I mean that point where, like, your momentum has faded, and yet the end is nowhere in sight. You know, you can feel like, the Lord called me to do this, but that calling feels like it was a long time ago now, and and maybe I got it wrong. Maybe this isn't what I was meant to be doing, because the fulfillment of that calling isn't anywhere in sight. I'm, I'm trying my hardest, but it's not enough. And there are all these obstacles and challenges in the way, and I don't know how to deal with them, and... You know, I thought we were just going to be able to move on, but I seem to be spending a lot of my time doing little itty-bitty things, and I want to get on to the big thing. Like, sometimes we can have a big idea of what we want to do, but before we can do it, we have to get four or five people on board. And getting four or five people on board at the same time slows you down. Because you get one person on board, and you think, yeah, you're fine, you speak to the second person, and they're only on board if one thing happens. So you go do that one thing, and by the time you come back, the first person's gone and done something else. It's hard. But God has messages for us when we feel like we've got stuck in the middle. And the message I want to share with us this morning is that reading we had earlier. Um, It's just four scriptures, four verses of the Bible, where God sent a message to a man um, who has the coolest name in the Bible, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. It's it's the triple Bs. You just can't not say Zerubbabel and kind of feel a bit... A bit bouncy, a bit springy, a bit zippity doo it's, it's such a great name. Luckily, I had a girl. Otherwise, I would have had a little Zerubbabel Brown. Every time I say this, my husband's like, no, we really wouldn't. Luckily, we had a girl and called her Orla. But Zerubbabel, if you ever want a good boy baby name, I recommend it. So Zerubbabel, he had a special job from the Lord, a special project that he had to do with his life. And it was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The previous temple, the first original temple, had been built by the wisest king there ever was, King Solomon, who was also the richest king the world had ever seen. He had gold, he had silver, he had the finest wood from the finest forest in all the world. King Solomon had everything he needed to build this magnificent temple, and he was king of Israel's peacetime. But Zerubbabel wasn't the wisest king or the richest king. He wasn't even a king. And he didn't have Israel's peace and plentiful um, 
time period to build his temple in. He had a bedraggled group of returning exiles and refugees working under really hard conditions. He had people surrounding him who just wanted him to fail. It was hard work and it was taking a long time. And there must have got a point where Zerubbabel got really discouraged in his work because God sent him a message through the prophet Zechariah, which is our reading. So we'll have the reading up now. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. And then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid this foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. The thing that leaps out of me that highlighted in these verses are who despise the day of small things. You know, in the middle, when you're in the middle of something really important, days of small things is what you've got to work with. You've got the small things of your routine, the small things of working out the process, the small things of just sticking with the plan. Like, I love making a new plan. I love a fresh notebook and writing down the steps. What I don't love as much is being on, like, step four out of eight and just having to see it through. (laughs) I don't like the small steps of, like, prepping a room for decoration. I've been doing that for months, you know, like scraping and sanding. But all of those small things add up to a final thing that will work brilliantly. Days of small things can seem unimportant, they can seem tiring, they can seem boring and dull. But we've not to believe that feeling. You know, God is at work in the day of small things. And he tells us not to despise them. Those small steps, the mistakes, the progress, the little bits of conversations you have with one another, getting on board, hearing one another out, understanding one another, all of that is valuable. And all of those days of small things lead up to that day of completion. And you know, there's never been a great wonder or accomplishment or thing worth doing that didn't happen with day after day after day of small things. That's why God calls us to be faithful in the small things. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. So the first thing we need to know is that the Holy Spirit is at work in the day of small things. God says, not by might nor by power, but by my Holy Spirit. We have to remember in the middle of things, God is still in it. So it's not about you being bigger or better than anybody else. It's about us trusting in God and his Holy Spirit. And you know what struck me about reading this? Is that the Holy Spirit, often when we pray about the Holy Spirit, we think about the Holy Spirit being mighty and powerful because he is. But it's interesting that God says here, not by might or by power, but by my Holy Spirit. And the phrasing here just reminds me that sometimes the Holy Spirit can work in really understated ways that can be easy for us to miss or undervalue. You know, the people who were building this temple had returned from slavery in a foreign country. 
The first time the people were enslaved in a foreign country, God rescued them by his Holy Spirit through Moses, and it was through acts of wonder. It was through the Nile turning to blood and uh, frogs and thunder and lightning and hailstones and the sea parting with walls of water on either side for an entire nation to walk through. And the acts that the Holy Spirit did were so big and powerful that nations far away heard of it and trembled. And it was cemented in history throughout the world. It was massive. But the Holy Spirit did it very differently the second time he rescued the enslaved people of God. The second time what happened was it wasn't parting of the sea and frogs and flies and locusts. The second time the Holy Spirit gave the people favour with those in authority. And the people in authority listened to the exiles in their enslaved being and just said, yes, go home and rebuild the temple. Here are some gifts to get you started. Here is a letter of my protection. Just like that. No big shaking foundations miracle, but a big heart miracle, a big miracle of peace and favor. That can be how the Holy Spirit works sometimes. The Holy Spirit can work by just giving you favor. And I sometimes wonder if we're a bit blind or a bit um, underappreciative of the Holy Spirit working in that way. And you know, sometimes I think we we bulk ourselves up for a big battle. When we know we've got a challenge or an obstacle like the mighty mountains that Zerubbabel had to face, we like think, right, I've got a mighty mountain to face, so I'm going to bulk up and I'm going to get my best arguments. I'm going to get these people on my side. I'm getting ready for a fight. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to take it on and I'm going to beat it down. I'm going to take it. And God sometimes says to us, you don't need to bulk up for this. I, the Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to go ahead in peace and in favour. And I'm not requiring you to bulk up and get bigger and stronger and better and fight. Because this isn't your battle, this is my battle. And I think sometimes we can bulk up and we can get to the mountain. And when we get there, we realise God's levelled it before we step foot there. You know, this passage says, what are you, mighty mountains? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become a plane. And I've had it before where I started, like, getting ready for a big fight. And I was praying and getting ready. And I just thought God say, no, you do nothing. You just turn up and by the time you get there, I'll have dealt with it. And you know what he had? And I didn't have to fight. I didn't have to lock horns of anybody. I didn't need to anyone. I just needed to turn up. And by the time I'd got there, the Holy Spirit had gone ahead and changed hearts and minds. And I want to encourage you that sometimes that's what God has for us. That can be the work of the Spirit. And sometimes we need to ask God, Lord, is this just a time for us to trust you are going to go ahead of us, not in battle mode, but in peace mode? And when we have that mentality of trusting that God's going to go ahead of us, we can realize that our mighty mountains, our big problems, our big obstacles and challenges aren't a reason for us to change the plan of what we're doing. The works of the Holy Spirit are just different. The normal rules don't apply. So maybe what you're worried about right now, God's asking you not to worry about, to just trust him and to trust his Holy Spirit to go ahead of you. You know, I think this passage tells us not to despise the day of small things because we need to have faith that Jesus is going to finish what he has started. Because, you know, we can read this passage and relate to Zerubbabel, but Zerubbabel also reminds me of Jesus. Because 
Just like Zerubbabel, Jesus was given a special project from the Lord to build his house, to build his church. And Jesus laid the foundations when he died on the cross. And I believe that Jesus is going to put the capstone in place when he comes again. Yeah? What Jesus has begun, Jesus will finish. And just like Zerubbabel placing the capstone on the temple and everybody shouting, God bless it, God bless it. Jesus is going to return and every important thing that God has asked us to do will be finished on that day. It will be brought to completion. There is going to be an end in sight. And if some of you have been working towards something and the end has got a bit fuzzy in your mind, it's not as clear, you're not as certain about whether it's going to happen or not, well, in Jesus' name it is. Jesus is going to finish what he has started. He really, really will. And you need to have confidence that Jesus is our Zerubbabel. And whatever big, important thing God has asked you to do, you need to know that it wasn't your idea to do it. It wasn't your initiative that started it. It isn't your final responsibility to finish it. It's the Lord's. And there's a freedom we can get from that. There's a confidence we can have. If, if it all depended on us finishing everything and doing it, that's too big. But we've got Jesus. So it's our responsibility to do what our building project manager commands us to do. To see through what he calls us to do. And know that his Holy Spirit goes with us all the way through it. This is a really short message this morning. I hope you're okay with that. But maybe that's fitting for preaching on a day of small things. Um, I really want to encourage you. Your small things that you are doing day in, day out, matter. Whether it's raising your kid, whether it's turning up at work, whether it's the meeting after the service, or the nativity, or the prayer day. It might be starting small in January, but who knows what the prayers on that day might accomplish. All these small things are building up and they're going to be seen in their beauty and in their full glory on the day that Jesus returns and puts the capstone on his church. And on that day, when Jesus is with us, everything ever done will be seen for what it was. And we can't see that now, but one day we will. And in the meantime, every day of small things has value. Every day of small things is making a difference. Every day of small things is demonstrating your love for the Lord, your faithfulness to him, your commitment. And it is special and powerful. And those small things are going to grow and grow. So I just want to take a couple of minutes and pray and commit the small things going on in this fellowship. And then we'll close and hand back to the worship team. Okay? Lord God, you are so gracious and merciful to us. And you know that in our hearts you've given us the desire for purpose in this life. We don't want to just um, spend our days idly and then come join you. We know that whilst we've got today, that there is something good we could do with it. And Lord, I just pray for all the people in this room, myself included, Lord, that you'll help anchor us to the purpose you've called us to do. And whether that purpose seems small or big, Lord, that we will honour it and execute it faithfully and joyfully 
in your presence and in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray where there are mighty mountains that are seeming to block the purposes of this church, Lord, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit out in advance with peace and favour, that the mountains might be levelled, not by our might or our power or our intelligence or our cunning, but by your Spirit alone. And Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you that you came as a baby. I thank you that you're going to one day come again in glory. And Lord, we want to act with complete faith and hope in your return And we pray that we demonstrate that faith by acting now as if everything you've given us to do is doable, is wonderful, and is good for us and good for the people around us. I just pray for all those whose hearts have been a bit wearied or burdened um, by carrying important things and not seem to make progress. Lord, we just open their eyes that they can see how far they've come. And will you give them that encouragement and start easing the way forward for them that they might know that they know that they know that they are on the right track. And will you bless this church and all the days of small things that they're doing. Thank you for being good to us, God. In your name. Amen. Amen.